0: Hi, and welcome to the All Plane podcast, where I talk with the movers and shakers that are redefining the future of commercial aviation. As usual, before today's show, let me remind you once more that all previous episodes of this podcast, as well as many other aviation stories, are available on the All Plane website. That's allplane.tv. A-L-L-P-L-A-N-E.tv. Today's guest is Joseph Morris, a former pilot turned electric aviation entrepreneur. During the pandemic, Flybe, the UK-based regional airline that Joseph was flying for at the time, ceased all operations. However, this turned out to be the perfect opportunity for Joseph to launch Electron, a startup that aims to develop an electric airplane capable of operating as a green and relatively cheap regional air taxi. Electron has already tested in Portugal a small two-seater version of its very sleek-looking aircraft and is currently scaling up its activities in the Netherlands, where the company is based. Joseph has also brought on board Travis Ludlow, who currently holds the world record as the youngest person ever to fly solo around the world. Travis will attempt to circumnavigate the globe once more, but this time on a 100% electric Electron 5 aircraft. This should, in principle, take place as soon as the aircraft becomes ready, hopefully sometime before the end of 2024, and provided that the geopolitical situation allows it. So on today's episode, Joseph shares his vision about the future of electric aviation, as well as his plans to manufacture the Electron 5 aircraft and to operate efficient and sustainable electrically powered fleets that will bring a whole new dimension to regional air mobility. But I think it's best if we hear it all directly from him. Hi, Joseph. How are you? Good. Thank you, Miguel. Where are you joining us from today?
1: Uh, I am at the moment in the Netherlands, in Hull, um, at my parents' for a month's time and doing a bit of work here, setting up our uh, base of operations at Toge Airport, which is half an hour from here.
0: Where where in the Netherlands is that, that place? Um,
1: it's, I would say, on the east uh, side, in the, about in the middle of the country. Uh Um, it's not very big the netherlands you can drive from top to bottom in like two and a half hours
0: true yeah yeah yeah. i used to live there for a while actually yeah i don't know that much the eastern and northern part of the country i should go back eventually and 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 visit but it's uh, it's
1: flat just like the rest of it
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) i can imagine um yeah so basically i ask you to come here on the podcast because you are leading a, a very interesting project in the field of electric aviation which is called Electron, very aptly named. It comes in two flavors, I think. It's Electron Aviation and Electron Aerospace. I'm going to ask you about this distinction now because I think you are planning to get into two different lines of business which are related. One is making the aircraft and the second one is operating the aircraft, uh, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yes, so that's right. Originally, we started uh, Electron Aviation Limited in the UK uh, with the eye of being an, uh, an operator of battery electric aircraft. And we quickly realized that actually there is not that much available and not even going to be available in the near future. Uh, certainly not the type of aircraft that, that we were looking for. So uh, out of necessity, Electron Aerospace uh, was born uh, and you'll remember Brexit being a um, uh, not so great event uh, in the United Kingdom, which um, has come up a few times
0: in in the podcast. It's come up a
1: few times, yeah. Um, I think a few people might be starting to regret that decision, but um, let's not uh, talk too much about that. But it is is one of the reasons why we chose to actually start Electron Aerospace in in Europe, in the EU, Um, and being from the Netherlands, and um, the Electric Flying Collective in the Netherlands uh, being formed the end of uh, 2021, gaining members rapidly I think we're quite ahead there compared to other places in the world perhaps um, it seemed only natural to to set it up in the Netherlands.
0: Before that uh, just stepping back, back a little bit uh, for for a second to to get a little bit into your background before we move back into the <laughs> onto yeah. the onto the project uh, you were uh, you were a you're a pilot you're a commercial airline pilot um, that's right you, used to fly for quite a few years for for flyby. In yeah, 15 in...
1: years at Flybe, so that was at one point Europe's largest regional um, aircraft operator. Um, we had like 70 Dash 8s and 20 odd Embraer 195s and 175s.
0: We had one, one of the very first episodes of this podcast. There was a, a friend of mine that happens to be also a former Flybe pilot, and he was flying one of the Dashes out of belfast um it's a it's an episode i actually i recommend to pretty much everyone that is interested in in the business of flying because he shared many insights about uh, the life of a pilot not just in not just at flyby but he did uh fly planes in the maldives and in other parts of the world so just a little parenthesis here because you <laughs> obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. Say again no, to, I, I actually missed that
1: one so I, i'm interested to to find out and it might be that i actually know
0: was one of the very, very first podcast episodes I did. It must have been like the first or second, I think, all of them. (laughs) Yeah, so
1: the the pandemic uh, in the airline industry led, for the people that don't know and haven't listened to the podcast, That's probably covered in there as well in that podcast, but um, Flybe was one of the first victims in the sense that it was just being taken over or bought up by um a group of three entities one of them being virgin and the other one being sober um and you know when the pandemic um hit it became clear that virgin group for instance was looking at 400 million losses straight away um so they pulled out and you know that was that was it really that was curtains it was the wrong time uh, for that to, to happen looking for another uh, yeah. uh, investor or, or somebody to to take that place uh, in at that time is is impossible. Uh, so Flyby folded, and I think quite a few of the pilots are still around, but have gone on to do other things. And I, I think quite a few of them are not coming back.
0: Yeah, because we, we must say that Flyby is back. It's yeah. come back uh, after about a year or so. That it well, it, it was no more. But then I don't know if they kept a actual legal entity running i don't know exactly the, the behind the scenes story yeah. but basically Flybe is back now in a in a reduced form uh but obviously mm-hmm. many people like you have moved on on to do other things
1: yeah i was based at southampton and you know we at southampton airport we did like 97 percent of the the movements there um and Flybe is not back at southampton airport, It's opened up at a few other bases but even if it even if it uh, was to start back up there i'm i'm, I'm certainly not going back um yeah. for for various reasons. Um, One of them being um, that, you know, I know from my technical background, um, having studied industrial product design and being quite heavily into battery electric airplanes and other ways, I've done the math. And I know that all those flights that I used to do, or the majority of them, we can actually do in the very near future with with battery electric aircraft with zero emissions. And short haul flights, unfortunately, is one of the worst uh, emitters in terms of you know, per passenger kilometre of, of emissions.
0: So what's the story of Electron? I guess that didn't come out of nowhere. You already were kind of interested or, or looking into this electric aviation space and you set up Electron on your own or you have other other partners, other investors?
1: Yeah, so uh, I started the company together with, uh, with Richard Blackwell uh, in the UK. And yes, my background, um, you know, I've been looking at it for a long time. I've been an investor in, in Tesla for quite a while, so I've sort of seen this this happen on in the automotive sector, and been really surprised that not much is is happening in in the aviation world, aerospace world. Huge amounts of money being ploughed into vertical takeoff and landing aircraft, uh, but not so much in conventional takeoff and landing aircraft, uh, which actually have you know an established certification pathway. Especially you now, Pipistrel certified the uh, the first EASA battery electric aircraft. You know that was really the basis for me to 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 start looking at this more seriously um it's like okay so there is actually a lot of money being invested here now but you know why why not why are we not seeing any any normal take-off and landing aircraft and when you look at the, the mechanics of it uh, the efficiency the energy efficiency and therefore the range with the limited battery energy density um you won't be able to fly with a vertical take and landing aircraft from say london to amsterdam um, you know, you you don't be able to fly from Heathrow to to the center of London or from Amsterdam to to Schiphol Airport. But you know, you need a conventional takeoff and landing aircraft to actually fly uh, between London and Amsterdam.
0: Looking at the specs of the aircraft you are working on, the, which is called the Electron Five, right? That's a yep. That's like let's say the production one that you are aiming for. We can talk about the timeframes now, but. You are aiming for a range of 750 kilometers. Quite impressive for a, for a battery electric aircraft.
1: That's right, yeah. So we have already uh, the Electron 2 flying at the moment in Portugal. It's a two-seater, which is our proof of concept. Um, it's uh, in the same class as the Pipistrel, so 600 kilos to two people. Um, but because it's a clean sheet design and it's, uh, there's eight years worth of development in there, and the result is that you now have an aircraft that uses less than half the energy uh, compared to the compared to the pipistrelle so that allows us with the same size battery pack to do more than double uh, the range double the endurance Um, and that's really the the basis of you know what we're doing with the electron 5 is basically just a bigger version of it it's again a clean sheet uh, design not a retrofit aircraft and by the time It goes into series production. The batteries that will go in into it, we will be able to do 750 kilometers with the aircraft. Now that's maximum range. So you know, if you take the operational reserves off that, you're looking at around 500 kilometer operational range, which would allow us to to fly from Amsterdam to to London.
0: Which sort of batteries are you using now for for this demonstrator?
1: Um, So for the the two
0: seater, we have just 2170
1: um, cells in there. Uh, much like a lot of the other um, battery, battery projects uh, out there. Um, and for the uh, Electron 5, I, I can't really comment on that. Okay. <laughs> but let, let's, let's just put it this way. Um, you know, the batteries exist. Um, it's not, uh, we're using today's battery technology with high cycle life. Uh, it's not pie uh, in the sky.
0: Mm-hmm. But who's actually built the the demonstrator? For example, I mean, are you doing it, or you have some industrial partners that are working with you on that? No, we don't have
1: any big industrial partners uh, so far. Um, we actually, you know, that's a separate project that started way before uh, we we started electron aviation and electron aerospace, like eight eight to ten years ago. Uh, I think ten years ago it really started. Um, but there is a lot of design philosophy similarities between the electron two and the electron five and so um when we actually came uh, across that project uh, through a connection we were looking for batteries <laughs> and one of the potential battery suppliers flagged it up and said actually you know i know a guy that's already got an aircraft flying and we started talking and so now you know we, we've we basically onboarded the team uh behind uh that that aircraft
0: okay interesting so the the plan is actually that you will build the aircraft uh, yourself. We are focusing
1: on the aircraft itself and all the systems that go in it. The majority of them we, we buy in. So in a sense, a little bit opposite of like Tesla, we're more horizontally integrated, which I think for the aerospace industry is a necessity if you want to, to actually get things done uh, in a decent time frame. I mean, already building a clean sheet aircraft takes a lot longer than, you know, modifying, retrofitting an existing uh, aircraft.
0: You know, pretty, pretty impressive, uh, you guys. Uh, still, you know, you're doing quite a lot of it on on your own. Uh, h- how big is your team at the moment?
1: Yes, yeah, so, um, I mean, it is still really early days. Um, so we've done, you know, some CAD work, but really we have been working at the, the three important things that you need to do when you when you start a company. And for a long time after as well is uh, fundraising, recruiting and and sales. So we've you know we've got our first sales we've got our first money in, and uh, we are recruiting so if anybody is uh is looking for an aerospace job uh, for an aircraft that I would say is perhaps you know certainly one of the most uh, <laughs> the, the most credible out there um, mm-hmm. yeah come come and have a chat
0: What sort of profiles are you looking for engineering? Yes,
1: so uh-huh. we we we're not trying to scale up to seven hundred and fifty plus uh, um, uh, employees uh, in a short space of time. We want to keep the team relatively small. Mm-hmm. So there is about twenty people um, working on this at the moment, uh, and we're looking to scale that up to somewhere around seventy-five over the next a uh, year or
0: two. In the Netherlands,
1: in the Netherlands, yes, um, but obviously there will be a lot of remote work um, as well on this.
0: Very interesting. Then you have uh, basically, well, you have two things uh, going on. One is the, the project to, to build aircraft. And once you have the aircraft flying, uh, you've got a project that is related, which is actually to operate those aircraft. So what's your business model? You plan to, to sell it to other operators, but run your own operation as well? What, what's the idea uh, and wh- what sort of timeframes are you looking at for each of okay. them? Yeah,
1: I think maybe perhaps important to take a tiny little step back. Um, sure. I think, you know, we, like many others, looked at it and we like, okay, you know, we can see cost savings on the operational side because of the electrification. Zero emissions is obviously a big thing. Um, let's become an operator because that's where all the money is. But it turns out the aircraft aren't really available. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> um, so that, there's yeah. quite
1: a few companies out there that want to become an operator. And, and our view on it really is that, you know, if we, we do all the hard work of, building the aircraft to actually suit the the demand from the market then you know we don't really want to just sell the aircraft because that's not where the most of the of the money is and just like uh, you know when uber and and the other ride-hailing platforms kind of transformed the taxi market um on on the road before we we had normal taxi operators and people wouldn't really use a taxi perhaps as much because the booking process isn't as easy. And now, you know, people are using the the ride-hailing platforms much more than than they did in the past. Um, We see a similar thing going to happen in in aerospace. And there's a lot of companies that have uh, clogged onto this as well, Um, you know, where you can basically book your trip on your phone through an app really easily. So, you know, we immediately started looking at what other companies partners do we need to to actually offer a full door-to-door uh, service uh, obviously we need the charging infrastructure but we also need a, a ground fleet operator to to do that door-to-door last mile service
0: is, is it going to be really a door-to-door because you would need a runway so it's going to be able to land at many more locations
1: that's the that's the thing um you know at the moment Um, in Europe and the whole world, really, uh, there is a lot of small airports that are hardly being used. Um, So in Europe, there's about 2,700 airports um, that we could operate in and out of. Um, And you will find that, you know, people are, a lot more people are within half an hour of a small airport Mm -hmm. um, compared to the 400 or the airports that we we now use with scheduled services where you then have to fly with 180 other people.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, and true. the
1: reason that that we've gone that route of like um, only using a, a selection of airports with you know with longer runways and big aircraft is because of uh, largely because of cost um, driven by the maintenance on the aircraft. So the maintenance on the drive system is just really expensive. So if you can write it off the passengers and you yes. use the aircraft quite a lot, then it then it makes commercial sense.
0: So it's going to be so, a four po- uh, seater, a four seater yeah, aircraft. So- To give you an an example,
1: uh, for instance, I mean, I live uh, still at Hedgend, which is near Southampton on the south coast of of the UK, United Kingdom. And Mm -hmm. at the moment, I have the choice of flying with KLM Cityhopper once a day, five days in the week to Schiphol. Or if that time or day doesn't suit me, I have to go to Heathrow or Gatwick, um, still to flying to Schiphol. When actually I need to be on the other side of the country in the Netherlands. So in the future, I shall be able to, buy via an app book, very easily, like an Uber, my trip, get picked up from home, uh, be dropped off by an Uber or whatever at Southampton Airport, uh, Mm -hmm. which is only 15 minutes away from where I live, Uh, Mm -hmm. fly to Toge Airport, which is, again, only 15 minutes away from where I am here now. So Mm -hmm. much more convenient, point to point, I don't have to be there two hours before I don't have to share the airplane with 180 other people, uh, and zero emissions What about the cost? Yeah, so it's a bit like when Tesla first entered the market. Um, There's a lot of similarities there in the sense that first they started with the Lotus Elise, turned that into the Roadster. Again, uh, highlighting there how even Tesla have, again, recently said uh, how big of a mistake that was um, because you make a lot of engineering compromises and, in the end, um, they had like five percent of the original parts uh, left in the car, yeah. so it's better to start with the clean sheet design, and that is basically a you know sports car, a supercar almost. Um, and then they went to the Model S, which is quite top end um, of the of the price range. So we see the same going to happen with battery electric aircraft, where initially uh, you know we already have the retrofit aircraft, which is the, the, the Vellus Electro, uh, and now we're going to see top end of the market. So uh, consultancies, for instance, they at the moment, are traveling a lot by train and by car because they can't fly anymore because of the emissions. Um, that costs them a lot of time, actually. And so for them to to travel with a service like we could provide, they would save a lot of time. So even if the flying is a little bit more expensive, on the whole, it's actually a lot cheaper for them because they save so much time. And consulting hours are quite expensive. Yep. Um, but eventually, the price will, will... Effectively, we're making flying private like ninety percent
0: cheaper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Just, so that that really opens
1: up that market for a lot more people. It's ne- never, you know, going to be as cheap to fly a small aircraft with five seats um mm-hmm. as it as it is going to be an aircraft with a hundred or two hundred seats. Um so it's not going to be you know Ryan EasyJet yeah. kind of twenty yeah. twenty pound, twenty euro tickets. Yeah. But it is still going to be very, very affordable. Yeah. And yeah. You will need
0: a, you will have the pilot still, you will need to pay the pilot exactly yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. but
1: and the other thing that's going to happen in the future is um the cost of flying is going to go up because kerosene is going to start getting taxed so while combustion engine aircraft operators are going to start seeing their prices go up our prices are going to keep going down Uh, so you get this crossover at some point in the future where actually it's it's very reasonably priced
0: and in terms of design are you doing the design yourselves as well? I've seen some renderings of the Electron 5, which r- looks re- really cool. Um, you also highlight that it's going to be like extra size panoramic windows. Is it something you are also doing in-house or the, let's say, interior design?
1: Yes, uh, okay. that's that's really what we're doing. Uh, that's like our core business on the aerospace side um, is build, designing an aircraft that um, works very efficiently. Uh, that we can produce at lar- in large volumes effectively, and also is uh, very consumer friendly. So you don't have to climb on top of the wing to get into the aircraft or anything like that. Mm-hmm. There's no propellers um, in the way of you getting in and out of the aircraft, things like that.
0: And what is the status now of the project? Other than obviously you have the, well, you ha- you have been flying this demonstrator in Portugal for for mm-hmm. two people. Uh, yep. From here, what is the time frame? Uh, right now, you're raising funding, right? Also from investors. Yeah, yeah, we, and
1: we will be, you know, going from one fundraising round to the next. We have already uh, received some some uh, some investment as part of the six million round that we're just about to close off now, and we are literally setting up shop at Tegel uh, Airport in the Netherlands right now, uh, moving our operations from Portugal to um, to to here it's quite an exciting time where where stuff is really starting to uh, to happen
0: and on the technical side what what is the time frame certification and and okay so originally we we
1: originally we we wanted to um have the certification of the aircraft the the five seater finished by uh, the end of 2026 you know because fundraising has taken a bit longer than we anticipated and when the, the financial market took a bit of a downturn and people were looking at you know, recessions and things like that, as well. Mm-hmm. You see that the investments to startups have have really uh, come down a lot, whereas um, follow-on investment has 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 been the majority of the the investments made. But nevertheless, we are you know out, nearly out of the woods there now, uh, and 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 going. So uh, yeah. that means that we're probably looking at the first deliveries. In 2027 now um, or the second half of 2027 rather than uh, the first half of of 2027 so -hmm. that's when we start delivering aircraft to people that are ordering aircraft from us and that's also when we are looking at starting to
0: operate the aircraft ourselves with Mm -hmm. the the sister company electron aviation what's going to be the cost of buying one of the aircraft
1: the the price of the aircraft is around about 1.5 million euros um mm-hmm. depending on you know when you actually buy the aircraft uh, because the price will be going up and people that order earlier get bigger discounts um but that's r- roughly where we're at and that's about equivalent to what you would pay for what we are
0: really comparing the aircraft against which would be say a Diamond DA62 but i guess you will have uh An aircraft flying earlier than that, because uh, you are planning um, a very special flight before these dates, before it goes live commercially, which is you're preparing a a world tour where a pilot called Travis Ludlow, who is the the youngest person to fly solo around the world. I think he's a record holder now. Yes, He's going to take one of your Electron aircraft all around the world in 2024 in principle. That's
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. So originally, we wanted to be sure that we built an aircraft that uh, isn't just a a record setter, but actually a commercially viable aircraft. But small aircraft like this are perhaps not as well known or or popular with uh, the general public. You know, most people fly on a big plane. They might not be that comfortable in getting in a small aircraft. And so part of building that confidence, you know, if we can fly the aircraft around the world, we can safely say that, A, you can get pretty much anywhere in the world with a battery electric aircraft and zero emissions. And B, you know, it's probably safe to fly a short distance from, say, you know, uh, London to Manchester or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and so that was that was really the the, the, the thought there. Uh, we worked with uh, another crazy adventurer on that James Ketchell, who's actually flown a gyrocopter around the world mm-hmm. uh he he's the record holder for the first one to actually circumnavigate the world in a gyrocopter in twenty nineteen I believe it was uh-huh. um, and you know he knows the routes that we that we can need to take and, and has has all, all a lot of connections there with an aircraft that has a you know limited range but then Travis Lutlow uh, came along and really was excited, and wanted to actually fly the fly the plane instead, and we said. Yes, yeah, sure. I mean, we, you know, ultimately, um, sustainability is for us now a, a, a big topic. But for the youth of, you know, today, the, the people that are going to be dealing with the consequences of our decisions now, uh, it's even a bigger uh, a point. And so it's important for the youth to get involved with this and say, you know, let's let's go and make this happen. And is, um, it,
0: is it possible to do that, even if the aircraft is not yet certified? For... Yeah so
1: it'll be it'll be a prototype it will be experimental uh, aircraft uh, you know there is obviously uh, regulatory issues there might be some countries that not won't allow us to fly through their airspace which yeah, is that's... something that we will have to we will have to deal with
0: I was thinking like with the current situation with Russia uh, mm-hmm. the the obvious route through Alaska yeah. and yeah. and the Russian far east might get a bit complicated if if issues are not settled by, yep. by that date i guess can we, you fly we, we, will, from... we
1: will look at uh, you know the route obviously we can uh, change that in some to some extent um james did fly through russia obviously at the moment that's not really an option i'm you know positive hoping positively hoping that mm-hmm. uh, a the conflict gets resolved um in ukraine you know the invasion of ukraine that needs to yeah. to end um and you know
0: can, can you can fly actually? Fly, can you fly direct from Japan to uh to the outermost Alaskan islands from with, with the Electron Five? I don't know if it's that's between range or not.
1: I'm I'm going to guess no. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't looked at it uh, in detail, mm-hmm. uh, but I guess that w- would be out of out of range of at least the the stock aircraft. Now there's always the option of being a five seater. Putting in extra batteries for for that trip, and, and just having you know the one pilot
0: in there. Um, because is it going to do it? Uh, is he, he going to do it with a two seater aircraft? No, no, it's,
1: it's going to be with the Electron Five. Okay. Five-seater.
0: So that's planned for 2024, right? Yeah. It okay. it
1: is but again considering the fundraising delay yeah. um yeah. and the time of the year that you would likely do that trip um it's looking more likely that that's now going to be 2025
0: um, mm-hmm. yeah uh, are you um expecting charging stations to be available at every uh, point along the route because i had for example here in the podcast i had uh, these uh, guys that did the uh, the first cross-country all-electric flight across Germany, mm-hmm. from, from yeah. the south tip of Germany all the way to the one of the islands uh, on the north. Mor- Morel Westermann. So yeah, I spoke with uh, Morel uh, Malik Aziz, who was also one of the members of the team. And basically, they told me that one of the team had to uh, drive ahead with a battery because some of the airports where they were landing, they were not really prepared to handle electric aircraft and recharge the pipistrelle they were using. Well, I don't know if what, how it's going to be the situation by 2024, but I guess that, that can be an issue at a global scale when you attempt this record. Yes, no, absolutely.
1: There's two things to
0: it. Obviously, we will need to
1: provide a solution for airports where there isn't... Um, any uh, electric aircraft ch- charging infrastructure in place yet. And we will also be putting pressure on those airports and authorities and countries to, to make some effort to uh, to make this happen. Um, and we have quite a bit of time for that. But it's important to realize that, you know, right now there isn't really a charging uh, standard for electric aircraft like we have for automotive we are well aware that, you know, we're going to have to have a solution for the airports where there won't be any charging infrastructure in place yet. Saying that we are looking at it the same as, as what happened in, in automotive, say, 12 years ago when there wasn't any charging infrastructure, there wasn't any uh, standard even for charging electric cars. We now see the same thing happening at, in aerospace where there is no uh, set standard yet for for charging electric aircraft. So I actually was recently at the opening of a new test lab, a lab test lab uh, in Arnhem, and it was opened by the King. It's mm-hmm. uh, a bigger facility that they opened already in a, in a very short time after opening the original uh, facility, hence the King came, uh, came along to open it. And interestingly, you know, one of those, the, the areas of, of interest there was uh, interoperability and, and charging of electric airplanes, and the King of the Netherlands is actually an active pilot. Yep. So he flies uh, the government plane and he flies for KLM to keep his license valid. The 737, um, right? Have, uh, yeah, Boeing, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Boeing
0: 737 pilot, uh, King uh, William Alexander of the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: right. So, so he was there. Um, I think he spent the most time there uh, in that, that section um, talking with the guys from E-Flight uh, with the Pippus Trail that they had there um, about exactly this uh, this point. Uh, mm-hmm. you know so and we, we were invited to be there with our electron 2 but unfortunately couldn't couldn't make it uh to have the aircraft there so you know I was there and had a chat um with the king about you know the range that battery electric aircraft are going to be able to do in the coming years but the charging infrastructure doesn't exist yet but it it will come and uh, mm-hmm. absolutely it will come there's quite a lot of parties <laughs> that actually are um interested in in doing that um having seen what what happened in automotive and to use the same the same hardware almost um doing a similar thing at airports um with the solar panels at airports and then charging electric cars and electric airplanes so you have charges airside and landside
0: yeah that that would be a big advance uh even now for mobile phones it's a bit of a nightmare if you have different makes of mobile phone at home just find, yep. find, finding the right charger at the right time can be quite a challenge. So <laughs> that even gets bigger with uh, aircraft. Um, so people that want to learn more about your project and uh, you know the, keep track of the progress you guys are doing, websites, what resources uh, would you suggest? I would suggest
1: following us on LinkedIn. That's where we are probably the most active. Our website doesn't get updated very much. Uh, it's well out of date and we will get round to, to updating that but we're you know not in the business of you know being a media platform and having a, everything uh, looking uh, speak and span and being up to date um, our focus is on you know getting the the, the aircraft built so um, there is the the LinkedIn profiles for both companies electron aerospace and electron aviation uh, where we do post some stuff on occasionally
0: and otherwise um you know get in touch yeah well in any case i will just mention the website in case someone wants to check it out it's flyelectron.eu yeah yeah very good well thank you very much joseph for this very interesting chat today um wishing you all the best with this very exciting project that you are leading um, the aircraft, I must say, I said it earlier, but I say it again. It looks really cool. So, <laughs> really looking forward to to fly on it uh, before the end of this decade, when when you get everything in place, and and yeah, hopefully it's gonna become one piece of the of the let's say the European mobility puzzle. Uh, so people that like you have to commute between Southampton and and the eastern Netherlands can have an easy convenient and green way to do it yeah we'll see you yeah. uh,
1: we'll see you on board sometime hopefully in in 2027 Mikael.
0: yeah hopefully speak soon okay. bye all right bye-bye before you go and if you like this podcast a quick reminder that it would be absolutely great if you could please give it a rating on apple spotify or whichever platform you're using or recommend it to a friend or whomever might be interested thank you very much and see you soon